up. I promise uh, we're only going to be picking two or three people out of the crowd this morning to uh, do some demonstrations for us up here. So move on up. Just kidding, just kidding. <clears throat> this your water? All right, why don't we go ahead and begin with prayer? Ashley and I will jump in. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everybody being here, getting up early. Uh, thank you for the sacrifices that have been done behind the scenes. Uh, everybody setting up for breakfast, uh, uh, preparing food, preparing drinks, uh, getting the media set up. A lot goes in to everything that we get to engage in uh, at the spur of the moment. Um, Father, and that comes from hearts that are willing to love you and sacrifice for you. Uh, Father Ashley and I, uh, we truly are blessed. I'm blessed uh, to have her speaking beside me, uh, living life with me, Father. And uh, we have had uh, an opportunity to be able to serve in your ministry uh, for quite some time now, uh, talking this morning with her and just uh, uh, the many blessings and great stories uh, that we have. Uh, throughout working in that ministry, Father, and some that are more difficult. But uh, God, with all of those stories, the good and the bad ones, it's helped to mold us into uh, who we are today, um, humble servants. So Father, help us to be able to just share your words, share your stories, and the ministry that you've allowed us to, uh, to work in, in a way that uh, conveys the truth of your message. And um, Father, gives inspiration to leave a legacy uh, that is great. Father, we love you, uh, and we praise in your son's name. Amen. Good morning. Yeah, the morning class. Morning, 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 that? morning. Who did that to us? That's what I want to know. That's okay. Is it? They wanted your beautiful face to see yeah. you here in the yeah, morning. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it see. was. So uh, Ashley and I uh, are going to talk with you guys about beautiful legacy. Um, so this whole weekend uh, workshop has been about beautiful feet. And this morning we're talking about kind of the legacy that we get to leave behind. Uh, and when you think of the word legacy, uh, defined is just that long-lasting impact of particular events or actions. So think of uh, every moment, everything that you're doing in your life is going to leave something behind when you're gone. Now think about that. You ever think about the legacy that you're really going to leave behind? At some point in time, you're going to leave this earth, and you'll leave an impact behind that carries effect well beyond your life. Everybody can think of their past. That's part of the legacy that they are experiencing right now. The same thing will happen for you. Every decision you make will be made, and it's going to be leaving a reverberating effect uh, across the world and continuing long after you're gone. Now, for some... You said that word well. Last night, we were struggling with that. Moving on. For some, this will be, for some, thank you, I appreciate the encouragement. Sometimes I just read words real fast and hopefully it comes out right and nobody usually recognizes this. So for some, guys, when you think of that legacy, um, it's going to be concentrated into an area, maybe the work that you do, uh, the work that you've done. Perhaps uh, others, uh, it'll be in, a, in an effect of the children that you've left behind. Others in lives change or impacted for the better. Um, others uh, will be remembered for the awful things you've done. Think about that. Everybody's going to leave a legacy behind. Either it's going to be something good or it's going to be something not so good. The point is, it's always remembered. Um, the bad people that we've had in history, Hitler, Stalin, Bin Laden, the uh, list goes on and on. We remember them, right? There was legacy. There was something left behind from those people. And the legacy is unavoidable. Uh, the nature of legacy, whether beautiful or grotesque, is something uh, that's in, within your capacity to be able to choose. And I think that for Ashley and I, uh, we grew up very different, uh, very different. Uh, as Jonathan was talking about last night, uh, some of you guys who are first-generation gener Christians or some of you guys who have grown up in the church, I, was, I raised my hand for the first question. Ashley rose her hand for the second one, growing up in the church, first-generation Christian. Uh, I didn't find and really understand and know the Lord until I was 18. K-12, 
Carrie and Juan. Uh, Carrie's rolling around here somewhere. Juan might be is might be in here. Or he might be go getting edified by somebody else over there. Uh, they studied the Bible with me, and that's when something changed for me. That's whenever I chose uh, to have something different. So I grew up, my parents were divorced. Um, I honestly don't remember much of my parents even being married, even though they got divorced at an age where I probably should remember. Ashley is always saying, well, you probably suppress your memories. And I'm he, like, he I don't did, suppress my sure. memories. I just don't have them. <laughs> I, you know, I'm the, person, I'm the person who doesn't remember the dreams, right? It's, I probably have dreams. I just don't remember those dreams. Um, I, I would imagine that there's, there's probably some things that I have forgotten and suppressed, but I don't remember too much of my parents being, being married. Um, I do remember, uh, you know, choosing with my sister to go live with our father um, full time, I guess, custody is what, is what you would say. So I'd be with my, my dad in the, in the week and my mom, I'd go in the weekends every other week throughout the summer. It's kind of how I grew up. My family uh, so has, had a lot of dysfunction. So on my dad's side, of, my, my mother's side of the family was overseas, Philippines. So I didn't even get to see them ever, really. We went back just in 2015 to be able to spend some time with them. But my dad's side of the family was pretty broken. So we grew up on the south side of 104 in a central town called uh, Central Illinois called Pawnee, which you guys have no idea what that is. But the south side of 104 meant something to us because that was probably where people lived that didn't have as much money as the people on the north side of 104. Uh, so... A lot of things had to change within my life whenever I found the Lord to choose to have a different legacy, to choose to leave something behind rather than what I grew up with. I wanted to break the cycle. Yeah, I think for me, you know, RJ said it a little bit, um, our, my legacy looked, you know, that was passed down to me looked very different. Um, I'm the daughter of Robert and Rita Cox, the granddaughter of Elwyn and Eileen, um, Kenneth and Omerly. I can cook a fried egg and some chocolate gravy um, pretty quick. I'm a tad bit temperamental sometimes, if you know me. Uh, I have a love for harmonies and worship. I'm a church kid, so I can sing the hymns. Um, I know the loss. Uh, I know loyalty, and I know what it feels to see it walk away. Um, but my family, with all that, also had dark pieces laced within their stories, within their legacies. My um, great-great-grandfather would abuse the majority of young men on my father's side of the family, including my father. Um, my great-great-grandma would be abused sexually by her father and not talk about it till she was 83 years old. So, all that to say that we can all have different forms, right, of stories and legacies. Mine turned out to be very different than RJ's in different ways. Because I had a father who was faithful, um, and inherently, that was able to change the course of dysfunction that was once in his life, and we're going to get into that a little bit. I just want you to see that while there's so much good and stability in my life, there was also a very great threat to that stability being lost forever. Um, I naturally am someone who uh, can struggle with, with being in my head um, discouragement. As a teenager, I struggled with some depression and finding God in that. Um, I think there, <laughs> i just concluding with that, you know, there's so many pieces. So when I'm saying this, what I want you guys to kind of think is like, what was that for you? You know, when I say this about mine, what was, your, what, what did your kind of legacy, those stories passed down to you look like? Um, but yeah, um, I think from a young age, because of, you know, the way that my, my dad and my mom decided to, to follow God, they began a church when I was young. And from a very young age, I did feel throughout my life like a stirring, a calling to um, also go and start a, um, a church. So, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll leave that with you. <laughs> so fast forward from us being little tykes to uh, uh, 18, 19 years old, she had the privilege of finding me. Yeah. And... <laughs> Uh, we got married. Uh, Just so like Ashley, that. Ashley, I found him and we got married. <laughs> I was, uh, I found her and we found each other. God is good. And we got married. Um, and not to spend a lot of time on that story because that's a great story as well. Um, we chose to get married. Uh, and shortly after that, just a couple months, uh, we went on a church plant. We decided we wanted to go on a church plant. Uh, which started what, what we get to experience here. 
uh, help to start what we get to experience here. And Ashley and I kind of had our eyes set on uh, the youth ministry. So I was really new to the faith, but I was super eager, uh, really passionate. Uh, I kind of jumped into a lot of things blindly. Uh, there was a need for someone to help in the youth ministry. So I was like, hey, I'll do whatever I, whatever I need to do. Um, and, and we thought to ourselves, well, how are we going to do this? You know, my, I was 19 years old, 18, 19, I was 19 years old, um, starting the youth ministry. Talk about somebody who didn't know what was going on. So we were you know? a year older than the seniors, Yeah, so if you're a senior we in high school, I was a year older than you, fresh to the faith, um, and I was going to start, help to, help to start the youth youth ministry. People were going to be looking at me as youth minister. And I thought everything was great and grand, but I, now looking from my perspective, I, I, people looking in at me were thinking, man, who is this child? You know, this foolish kid. But I was just trying to jump into it. So we're, so we're going on, we're thinking, how are we going to do this? How are we going to disciple others? How are we going to disciple these teens beyond us, right? Um, how are we going to do this in a way that creates a legacy far beyond us and far beyond you? So those of you guys who started in the youth ministry with us all those years ago, how can, you, how can we do something so foundationally strong that is going to withstand us being gone and you being gone and something greater happen in the future? How do you do that? How do you create those generational, that generational legacy? And when you look at the legacy of Christ and his disciples, his apostles, the first the first century church, what a better, what better place to begin than that? If we can follow the pattern of Christ, if we can follow the pattern that he laid out for his disciples, his apostles, that you see come to fruition in the first century church, that's a great place to be able to start to be able to create this generational legacy. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of you are probably thinking, that's cool. Like, you guys had that mindset. Uh, you kind of had that heart for that. Good for you, you know, like, but me, I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to be a good person. I don't really know that I'm going to leave a lasting, you know, have you got, has anyone ever felt like that? I have at times, but I don't, I'm just trying to survive. I don't care if I necessarily leave a mark or a legacy on this world. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to do that to feel content. Okay, cool, kind of. But also, if you are in this room and you are a disciple, and I mean you died to yourself, you went down in baptism and you came up and you said, I am surrendered and I am going to give the rest of my life to doing what Jesus would want, then you really don't get to take the back seat when it comes to Jesus telling you in Matthew, Matthew 28 that you were commissioned to do something greater. You can't. You can't. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I do. I wonder sometimes, you know, I, I have that legacy built within me from like the Church of Christ. And don't get me wrong, there are things I absolutely love about the Church of Christ. But also, the Church of Christ has dwindled in many, many ways. And I wonder sometimes when I look at the church in general today, did we look at Matthew 28 and think of it as a passing suggestion? Was it a flippant just request that Jesus gave, or was it a serious command to go, you go out, you make disciples, and you leave a legacy, not because I think it's a good idea, but because you are called and commanded to do these things. When we speak or we share today, I want to be very clear, we are very imperfect. Mm. And yep. the legacy of a youth ministry or of our family has not just been at the hands of ourselves, it's been at the core of us being reliant on Christ, we're going to get to that, but also with many other help and hands in our relationships and the people around us that also said, I'm, I, I, can, I want to get behind that, I want to help aid you guys, and I, want to, and I want to do all these things because God also called and commanded me to leave a legacy. And the cool thing about that is, you know, when it comes to Jesus' legacy, he's not going, oh, uh, you have to be really talented. Or you have to be able to, you know, have a lot of money to produce this type of legacy. Or you have to look a certain way. You got to be, I mean, if you're going to build a good legacy, you really need to be attractive. You know, none of those are things when it comes to Christ. And you can, a lot of us are like, whew, you know, I got money, There's I hope. got looks. I got, There's hope. You know, you can rest assured in that, that you are not called to build a great legacy because of who you are. You are called to build a, a, a good, great legacy, a beautiful one, because of who Jesus is. You know, the disciples were a bunch of roughnecks. That's who we're looking at for our example. Moses couldn't speak. 
Gideon was the least of his tribe. Rahab was a prostitute. Leah had weak eyes. Esther was an orphan. And they all left generational. I said it again. We can't get that word right. Beautiful generational legacies. And so if you're here and here today, I hope if you came in here thinking, eh, I don't really have a role in that, I really hope we are able to, or that God is able to change your mind. As in, uh, we're going to cruise through uh, things that we think are really valuable, five things that we think are really valuable if you want to become a discipler that leaves a generational legacy, a beautiful generational legacy, because at the end of this, we want to share a little bit more with you about our personal life and, our, and our, our ministry and how God has blessed that. So how do you become a discipler that leaves a generational legacy? First thing, you have to be grounded. I must be grounded in the truth. I must be grounded in the truth. And Carrie spoke about this the other day, yesterday, um, about our culture. And everybody can sit back and we can point fingers to say how terrible our culture is, how difficult it is, how unwavering it is, how it just flops around like a, a dry fish on, a fish on dry ground, and it's just a mess. There's lots of issues with everything that you see nowadays, especially whenever it comes to truth, right? Um, but there's something so much more strong and firm and foundational than anything that's going on around us if you hold tight to it, if you hold tight to that real truth. But even whenever you think of outside, think, disregard the culture. Think of our churches. Think of the things that are being compromised within our churches when it comes to truth. The little compromises that we give into. And if that continues to happen within the churches, what light is there for the world? So you have to hold on to the truth. Truth in its essence is exclusive, meaning there's only one. There's only one path to Christ. There's only one word of God. There is only one Jehovah God. Jesus' legacy was able to withstand their culture because it was based in something that was unshakable, an unchanging truth. Think about it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. There's one truth, and if you can remain grounded in it, you can grow something amazing for the, for the Lord here in this earth, a legacy that's incredible. It, and it was, it was passed down to the disciples uh, because there was obedience to it, a legacy of obedience, an obligation to that truth. In John chapter 14, it says this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if we want to leave a beautiful legacy that God intended, people watching us has to rest assured that we're holding on to that truth. It's not your truth that you get to share. It's the truth of God that you get to live out and experience. That's what builds something long-lasting. I think back of all the kids and all the people that we've worked with in ministry, and I really do believe that they can look back and they can say, man, Ashley and RJ tried to hold to the truth. We did our best to stand firm to the truth. Yeah, and I think typically, though, you know, we don't, in general, always do a good job of that. You know, even the, looking back at the Bible, God's people have a little bit of history, if, just a little bit, of trashing truth and losing sight of God's legacy. You know, you saw it over and over again with the Israelites, right, in the, in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 2, you know, you're at a point where Moses has passed away, Joshua stepped up, he carried on that legacy, he carried on that faith, and now it's come to the end where Joshua has died. And in Judges chapter two, chapter 2, it says, And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. All right, they're going, it's going all right. Then it says, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and they served images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of people around them, and they angered the Lord. They did not keep the commands that the Lord God gave them. They did not keep the commands that Moses decided to take a hold of and pass down. They did not keep the commands that Joshua also passed down throughout that legacy. Ultimately, they chose to not abide by God's truth, but by their own. And instead, in a relying in their own, in their own truth and their own feelings, anything became possible. 
Anything can happen when we do that. Do you realize that? And it's the same for us. When truth is somehow optional or not made a priority, look at your life. Anything goes. There's no stability. What was beautiful turns into chaos and confusion, and the voice of God was lost for them, and his legacy was lost for a time. It was endangered, because with God, it can't be extinct, right? But it also, it, they don't learn. They never fully learn. They're a lot like me, because then enters Jesus coming into the New Testament, and did he not also come and have to, have to battle the religious leaders of the day? who twisted and distorted the truth and the word of God to their own advantage, these Pharisees. In Matthew 22, 29, he says, Jesus replied, and he's talking to them, your mistake, he's talking to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. How do we pass down a legacy if we don't know it and we're not subject to it? How does that happen? We don't. It doesn't happen. And here's the thing that we've got to remember whenever you're bringing people into your life and you're trying to implement God's legacy and truth within them, it is not our job to change the truth to suit the culture. It's not our job to dumb down things and hope that they might just stick around a little bit longer. It's not our job to sell out lies because living counterculturally hurts and it costs a lot. Our job, hear me out, Our job is to leave a legacy of truth so that the generations behind us have a fair shot of eternal life. That's our job. You know that you you cannot forget or forsake that Satan is constantly at work. We are fighting a battle of good and evil at all times. And Satan knows good and well and prays God for men like John Clayton who can stand up here and be like, "I, I can combat that. With some evidence. I I have some things. And praise God for men who stand up here and they live these things out. But he knows if he can stop truth, if he can distort truth in our minds, if he can stop us from remembering the creator's truth, he puts a halt to our reliance on the power of knowing it. And then he steals the legacy and he twists it to his own. But when you make truth evident in your life and to the people around you, the sway of culture... Satan's attacks, it cannot stop truth from God working in us and leaving a legacy like no other. Mm. Because God is bigger than his attacks. Man, men, get a woman that can no. get a woman that can share the word. We could do without that commentary, get, actually. Fight for a woman to get Turn to share off. the word. So if you want to have that, if you want to have that legacy, um, <laughs> stay grounded in the truth. You must be grounded in the truth. Second thing. If you want to be a discipler uh, that uh, leaves a genera- generational legacy, um, lost my place here. I got the wrong page. Ah, I must be relational. I knew it was that one. Yeah. You must be relational. Guys, this is a struggle for me. Um, Ashley is the social butterfly. She likes to, you know, get out and talk with everybody. I'm sometimes uh, opposite to that. I, I'm not. I don't feel like if you know him, that doesn't seem accurate to me. Well, I I think that's it's something that I try to because you're so good at it. I have try to, to really push work myself. to seem like I like you. I do like you. My face just doesn't tell it. He naturally has a face that is like, I like and love everybody. I guess we what, talk about this, didn't we, Mike? Sweeten. Is this not where, 100%? You guys. Oh, yeah. Mike is Some here. Some are just I, gifted with being uh, likable. I am I, not the one. <laughs> She's likable. She's likable. TC. Where is it? We got something later for you, T. Okay. okay. So um, be, be relational, right? Studies show that kids growing up. Uh, with five-plus intentional relationships, they tend to stick around. Now, think about that. Think about your kids. If you want your kids to stick around in the faith, you have to teach them to be relational. So help them to have relationships with people around them that are multiple people. You know, uh, if, our, if our kids aren't sticking around in the faith, what legacy is there to leave? Think about that. It's kind of food for thought. Now, keep that in mind, that Jesus' Jesus's relationship with his disciples was large in part that he knew that he was going to be away from them at a point in time. And he had to leave something with them. He had, to have, he had to have a relationship with them while he was here to be able to leave a great legacy behind. 
Now, what relationship legacy looks like? Uh, you know, what did it look fi- like, like for Jesus and his disciples? And what does it look like for us in our home and in our ministry? Um, I think relationship requires a lot of time. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes investment. You know, and for Ashley and I, uh, if any of you guys here in this crowd are listening, um, you know, can think back of certain times with us in our ministry, it might resemble sitting around a dinner table, breakfasts in the morning. Heck, breakfast sometimes in dinner. You know, I love a good uh, breakfast for dinner. Um, so a lot of people crammed around a little bitty table, you know. Um, there, was a, there was a lot of that with us. Or uh, lots of uh, bringing people into your life, into your everyday life, building that relationship with them and in, in, in allowing them to come into your home. I, I sometimes think that, you know, that American dream is you got that white house and that white picket fence and you come home and you go to work and you work that nine to five or whatever the hours are and you come home and you drive into your garage and then the garage door shuts and then you're closed off in your own little world. You know, where is your time spent? Um, in Mark chapter nine, it says this. Leaving that region, Jesus and his disciples traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and to teach them. If you're going to create a legacy, you have to spend time with people you're discipling, and you have to teach them. There has to be some purpose in that time that you're there. So ask yourself, where is your time spent? Lots of us have to go to work. You know, it's just part of life. You work to be able to provide, to be able to do something after work. But what are you doing in that spare time that you have? Well, it's yours, isn't it? Well, maybe you need to reconsider that all of that time, all of that money, all of that effort is really the Lord's. And you need to use it wisely. Because at some point in time, it'll be gone. Um, there was lots of times where Ashley and I would, we would get home late at night, one, two in the morning after driving two hours, dropping people off and kids off uh, in counties far away after a cross chat, you know, and that was during the work week. And many of our youth leaders, wherever they're scattered at around here, did the same. College students doing the same. Leaders in our church doing the same. There was lots of those times uh, knowing that you would get home at one, but you would have to get back up at 5 or 4.30 to be able to go to work. I didn't always, I, I'm, a, I'm a carpenter by trade, so um, many of those years in ministry, I was getting, I was having to get up early in the morning to be able to go to the job site and go to work. Um, and for those of you guys who know me now, I, get, I, I'm not, I don't work now, right? I think I'm not, I'm, RJ's not really a construction worker. Uh, it's different now, for sure. Um, but your time is valuable. Use it wisely. Um, I think about what, you know, what your time, so, so service. Think of service whenever you're, when you're time. You know, I think of uh, Evan and Jenna, uh, the wises, you know, in here serving uh, and, take, and, and just wanting to jump into the ministry years ago to be able to help uh, relieve some of that time that we had to go pick up kids or serve pizza or get food ready or stay at the house while we were out getting kids, you know, just making sure that everything functioned, right? The Joneses, the Collies, Hoffmans, Cochrans, Howards, Newbies, um, everybody, uh, Mitch and Mel, and the people that I have, all acts of service uh, with that time to make sure that you're being relational. I think, and I, on top of that with your relationships, you know, just it's, it's hard to leave a, leg- a good legacy if you don't have good memories together, right? Um, you know, I think of just like, just having fun and laughing together. I can hear Chuck Hoffman laugh from three miles <laughs> away and know it's Chuck Hoffman. Because I know that, that laugh, that high whatever, I just, I know it. You know, I, I always tell Jonathan, like, you can drive me crazy, but you got the best laugh. Yeah, I love, I love hearing Jonathan's laugh. I instantly feel joy when, when John, I do. I don't care. Don't hate on him. I love his laugh. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite things. One Sitting around does. laughing and having a good time. Those are things that are, that are going to be solidified and that you remember, right? 
I think just, just memories in general, you know, like RJ mentioned briefly, like taking, I, I will never forget Jimmy seeing the ocean for the first time. I will never forget his hands going on top of his head and tears coming down his eyes because he was amazed at 18 years old at God's beauty. You know, that, those are just, just some stories. Um, if you want to have ongoing beautiful legacies with people, you have to have fond things to look back on. And really, you just have to love people. Mm. You have to dream for them. You know, the Bible says that love is patient, it's kind. Jesus was compassionate. He, he saw something in, 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 some, in people, right? He saw, something, he saw something different in them, in Mary Magdalene, at the woman at the well, in Legion. You guys have to do a good job at p- painting pictures for people that you're in a relationship with that go, hey, you may feel like this now. This may have been the story that you had, but this is not who God intended you to be. God has a beautiful legacy for you. Let me just give you a sneak peek into what that can look like. And that stuff, it begins to stick, right? The disciples, right, minus one, would carry out Christ's legacy to the ends of the earth, and I believe in large part because of the deep love he had for them and the relationship that he had established with them. So how many, you know, how many times do you, can you say that you, you have spent in a relationship with this very thought and intent in mind to go, I am in this relationship because I want you to know I am all these things for you. I want to love you. I want to have a good time with you, but I want you more than anything else to know that you are capable of taking this and carrying this onto your children and your children's children. Relationships are powerful, right? Whether they're good or bad, the ones you invest in the most tend to be the ones that you still hear in your heart and your mind long after they're gone. Am I right? Those relationships, those leg- little legacy whispers, I hear my, my grandpa in, in, in my head sometimes going, nope, I'm not afraid. What do I got to be afraid of? You guys wouldn't know what that means. I do. I know what he was saying. You know, I, I hear Mallory tell me, you can't shut down. After I'm gone, you can't shut down, Ashley. That's what you want to do. I hear, I hear my brother lo- running alongside of me at a track meet. You know, he's five years older than me. <laughs> Tell me, you can do it. Keep going. You can do it. Keep, keep running. Keep, keep doing this. Like, I can hear those things within my mind to this day when I encounter hard times because of those relationships that were very instrumental in my life. And don't negate that that will be something that others hold on to when it comes to creating their legacy. Thirdly, okay, thirdly, uh, if you want to be a discipler that creates uh, generational leadership, you must be authentic. All the relationship stuff uh, would have mattered very little in Jesus' legacy if he wasn't who he said he was, if he didn't live out what he said he was going to do. And the same thing applies for us. People can see right through you, right through us. Hypocrisy is, is noticed very quickly, and people run from that. People hate that. So when you say something, you had better mean it. Um, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When John was in prison, uh, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds, the Messiah, uh, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one? the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you have heard and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now John the Baptist writing this, right? John writing this, and and you've gotta be thinking uh, at this point, at, at this point in time, he, there there was some reassurance that maybe was needed with him, right? Some speculate that maybe he sent his disciples there to be able to really hear: is is this really Jesus? Is this really go go find them? Some 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 speculate that. Some think that some think that. John maybe needed to hear some affirmation and reaffirming that, listen, this is my, t- I'm in prison. I'm in a tough situation. Is this person I'm following real? Jesus, are you real? So it goes both ways. The point is, is that authenticity is needed if you want to create a great legacy. All the people that we've, we've worked with in the ministry, um, I, I believe that Ashley and I, you know, we never tried to paint a picture of what we were not. 
when people came into our house, I mean, you kick your hand up now if you've heard Ashley and I fight and argue, right? You've, you, you've probably seen us uh, fight and argue with our, with our kids and our family. Like, we're not perfect by any means, but we are authentic. You know, you're going to see me for who I am, and I'm not going to try to be somebody I'm not, but I'm going to be honest with what I'm trying to become. Um, and, and that means something. People want to know that they are following the real deal, that five years down the road, they're not going to find out that it was a lie. 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, it wasn't all for naught. They want to know that you are the real deal. Now, parents, think about that. Parents in this room, take that into consideration. You know, it's easy to paint a picture of what you are outside of your home, but then whenever you get into your home, who are you really? Are you the same? And, and I think that people would say that Ashley and I are authentic and just like Christ, uh, we want to try to mimic that. And if we do that, I think it's what's helped to create those generational legacies uh, that we see within our churches. Yeah, I mean, I agree. One is to be a do as I say, not as I do person. You know, the Pharisees, like yet again, set a terrible uh, pace for that for the people of the day. And Jesus knew it. It would be the, he knew it would be to the detriment of his ordained legacy. So he addresses it in Matthew 23. I'm just going to read a little bit of it for time's sake. But he says... Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. You know, I, I look at that. Um, Jesus came in and he said, I, he said, I have to set this idea straight. This is not my father's legacy to know the scriptures, but not to abide by them. That is not within the realm of what Jesus wanted for us to take from <laughs> into, I guess, from that day into ours even. You know, when you look at yourself, just ask yourself, you know, am I, am I the same person in my home that I am when I'm sitting in this, in, right, right here? You know, or when I'm in a worship session last night, am I the same person that has the same amount of passion on the highway when I get cut off? <laughs> yes, yes, I uh. am. <laughs> um, you know, are you this... <laughs> Are you, are, you, are you the same person? Are you authentic? Because, you guys, if you work with teens, college students, humans, everything but maybe a dog, they're looking for a reason to not trust you. They're looking, honestly, they're looking for a reason to go, your words do not match up with your life, so that is my excuse to bow out of this legacy that you speak of. Don't be the reason for that. Um, I mean, you kind of went into my, my point. So oh, just, I apologize. Just so That's moving okay. on to the next one? Yeah. Let's go on. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sometimes I do. I don't follow the notes that well. Even um, though they're color coordinated. For, yeah, even though, yeah. Fourth, fourth thing, if you want to be a, a discipler that creates generational legacy, uh, you must be resilient. Uh, Jesus' legacy was one of resilience and perseverance. No doubt about it. In the first century church itself is a true testimony of that. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 26. It says this, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began uh, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Luke 22 says, Father, if you're if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Even in Jesus' last words is communicating and talking about the pain and the, and, and the struggle that he's going through. And had our Lord and Savior gave in to those struggles and those difficult times and was not resilient and did not persevere, what would have happened? None of the good stuff that you get to experience, none of this would be around. And the same thing applies for how we live our life and what we're gonna leave behind for the disciples beyond us and after us. Your kids, 50 years down the road, 100 years down the road, what are things going to look like if we are not resilient and we don't persevere? And I'm not saying just kinda of toughen up and you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you are going to go through struggles, but there has to be something more firm to hold you strong. 
Building a great legacy rarely to never comes without a struggle, not even in Christ. Um, So do you fight through that struggle? Do you persevere? Uh, What good does it do if we speak of all the greatness of God but then cave in when all the weight of the world is on us? Think about that. You talk about the greatness of God, you say how awesome he is, you share the word with people, but then when real trouble and strife comes your way and you cave and you falter, what does that say? And you leave your faith and you disregard it and you become the person who just attends church instead of living and being the church. What does that say? Um, So do you think it's a coincidence you think it's a coincidence later on in Scripture, in James chapter 1, when, uh, when James, the son of Zebedee, says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you think that James sharing that message had anything to do with what he saw and witnessed Jesus commit to? I like to think so. And I hope that as you guys have walked beside Ashley and I, that you guys will withstand the the struggles that have gone through and that are going to happen in your life because you've watched us be resilient and you've watched us try to persevere. Um, Finally, if I want to be a disciple that leaves a beautiful legacy, I must be sacrificial. Mm. I must be willing to give everything. Um, all right, so in Ephesians chapter five, verse one, it says this, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, <clears throat> because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. There has to be sacrificial giving, giving it our all, giving our everything in our walk with God, and people have to see that. Uh, the disciples grabbed a hold of that legacy, and they pass it along to what you see in Acts. And I believe if we do the same thing, if you grab a hold of that sacrificial life, that people, be, people after us are going to create that legacy that is long-lasting for Christ. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Did you guys hear that? It said they sold everything that they had and gave everything to anyone who was in need. That same sentiment and sacrifice that Jesus displayed for them prior shows up in the first century church because they saw it, they grabbed a hold of it, and they believed it. Yeah, I think I grew up seeing that sacrifice um, in my home. My dad started a a church when I was about two years old. Um, And when you have about 20 members, that doesn't, you know, add up to a lot of money. (laughs) Um, so I grew up, you know, I'd get a new pair of shoes and wonder why my dad for three years had the same pair of shoes. Um, yeah, we didn't have the money. He didn't have the money to get a pair of shoes for himself, but he promised me those were his favorite shoes and that's why. Um, it's the little things you're willing to give up to leave a legacy. It's the big things you're willing to give up. You know, for, for us in our home, it looked like wrecked cars. It looked like wrecked cars teaching 16-year-olds to drive um, or not drive. Uh, it was, Slow down. <laughs> it was waking up, you know, late nights to get a kid with, a, with our broken-down vehicle that they weren't supposed to take to St. Louis, but they did, and they brought it back. So at 2 in the morning, you have to go get them. Jimmy. Um, on a more serious, you know, it, you know it, was, it was getting a kid out of a dysfunctional home, a dangerous situation in the middle of the night, getting a call that they had nowhere to go. Um, it was being offered positions uh, where youth ministers were paid and had a house and all these things at a time that we didn't have any money. Um, it was trying to figure out how we were going to feed all these kids, you know, when we were laid off or didn't have a lot of money. That's why you guys have adobo. You realize that, right? Rice is cheap. That's like if you've grown up in our house, raise your hand and you like adobo. That, it's cheap. That's, what, that's why we fed you that. <laughs> I, I... We were... I did it because I liked it. I mean, it. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah, it is really good. However, um, you know, I think it's just sacrificing, you know, 
the comfort of going, I want to live a normal life. This is hard. You know, um, even to this day, you guys, it's, it's a sacrifice. It's sacrificing my, my own kids going, <sighs> this one, you know, it's hard. Um, you know, seeing my kids have to sit the bench a quarter of a game because we just decided that there were some things and some forms of fellowship that we were not willing to sacrifice and that we were going to make some things a priority because those things would be long-lasting and you would see them pay that price. And you see other teens in our ministry that have paid that price for going on a retreat instead of maybe playing the game and just taking a little bit of piece of them but not you know, really knowing how God is going to fill that and bless them because of it. Um, it's many late-night meetings telling broken-hearted teenage girls who just broke up with their boyfriend, it is going to be okay. You are <laughs> You're going to find somebody that's going to love you the right way. And giving them your heart. It's giving your heart. It's sacrificing your heart, knowing that your heart is going to be broken at times. Um, broken a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then just doing it anyway. Ultimately, we give our life as a willing sacrifice to God, right? But there's been many times in my selfishness that I came very, very close to throwing in the towel and throwing in the towel on a beautiful legacy because in the moment, I didn't want to pay the price. And it wouldn't, looking out at this crowd, even as some of you have come up through the ministry in the church, it would have never been worth it. The reward was so much greater to look out and see you guys. So ask yourselves when it really comes down to it, what are you willing to sacrifice to see Jesus Christ's beautiful legacy carried on in and through you. Better yet, ask yourself this, especially for some of you who've been sitting here for a while, for years, what have you sacrificed? When is, it, when is it enough? I mean, for Jesus, it was the cross. Could you make a list that would measure up to our first century predecessors? You know, maybe jail time or death hasn't come. But why is it that many of our more seasoned disciples tend to become our most comfortable disciples? Mm. The more God has blessed us, the less we're willing to sacrifice towards his legacy. And I'm speaking from weakness at times, but we, the church has got to get a grip on this because the legacy lives or dies with us. Take that personally. But it is ironic how sacrifice, we're going to end, just end really quick with this, how sacrifice can turn out to be the most beautiful thing you mm. will do. Um, have you guys, have any of you guys seen Nefarious? So, so if you haven't, you need to accept the teens. I want to watch it with you, so don't, don't do it yet. Um, but there is, there's a quote in it where basically Nefarious is a demon, and he's talking from his perspective, right? And he says this. The demon says, the cross and the carpenter were our biggest mistakes. We thought that by killing the carpenter, we would win the battle between good and evil. We had no idea of the Christian backlash that resulted in the post-crucifixion resurrection in the church of Jesus Christ and his followers. He thought it ended with the cross. He thought he killed the carpenter and it was taken care of. But really, the sacrifice and the cross became the most beautiful legacy that touches every single person to this day in an impactful, powerful way. What will your sacrifice for a legacy look like and what will that touch? We have been blessed, you know, in Isaiah 53, mm -hmm. speaking of Jesus, it says that after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. We have been blessed, you see, throughout our time, that our, the sacrifices that we have made, though they pale in comparison, yeah. um, that we've got to see the light of life, yep. you know, and many of you guys. Um, are we okay on, is, is the other class still going? We started a little bit late. Well, here, let's, let's go to, uh, we want to show you guys something, show you some pictures we put together. All right, so uh, Ashley, jump in. I don't, I don't know. We're just, let's talk through some of this. So Aaron, Jess, and baby Iris is there, Ashley and I. Uh, uh, Aaron and Jess. We don't have time. Though. We don't have time? Well, I'm not going to go through all of them. I Aaron just and Jess are now youth leaders. They were once in our youth ministry. Next slide. Love them to death. Next slide. All right. <laughs> That's Jay Tone. We almost lost Jane to Joe, Jay Tone Jay one time Tone at camp. Jay Tone in a pool, swimming pool. He thought it was best to surrender to the water and just sink, but we got in there, there and got is. him. <laughs> All right, next one. Hey, JJ. JJ. And uh, JJ's pretty cool story, you know, came around yeah. through um, Nick. Nick and Kennedy, you know, Nick. our niece. 
been around for a long time. Love him to death. Next. Lizzie B. Her name's Eliza. Uh, Eliza is her name. She was uh, one of our first kids Siddharth in the junior Juan. high ministry. Yeah. And we would really do everyone, but we can't. So just, you know, Forgive keep, us keep if, you're not, in, if you're not in here. It's, you're probably not. That's Katie uh, and Mel. Bird and Melba. <laughs> uh, long stories. What? You're giving stories. I'm trying right, to tell where they're ahead. at. Katie go serves ahead. in the young adult ministry. Melissa is now a youth leader. Um, this, that was back before we had eyebrows, guys. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, that's that's Ryan. The cool thing about this picture is Ryan serves in the campus ministry, but his mom was my junior high leader. So that's Coco. That's Colleen. Colleen. All right, Matt. Uh, Kennedy. Kennedy. She's on a church plant, and Kennedy's very pregnant and serving in the campus ministry. There's a whole line of them right there. Aaliyah to the left. It Look was at a those theme. Thugs. Okay? It was it was like it was a theme. It was a theme. Theme event. Leah, you know, Tracy. it was thugs. All right, next one. Where's next Tyler? one. Hold on, go back here. No, Tyler. we don't. We can't. <laughs> This is Boston and Gabe. I have better pictures, but this one's sweet. Boston, Boston was a big old rough, tough guy, and look at him, big old teddy bear. He's Tender. on our church plant over at the inner belt. There's uh, some more of them. <laughs> Reggie down here at the front. That's our boy Reggie. He's in Collinsville. I think Pope is taking the picture of Darren. Oh, is he? I think his head, his head's cut off. So many more. Yeah. Shane, uh, Shane. Brett, Shane. Uh, we, who else we got in here? Nick is there. Uh, Man, love him. Next. Darren. There's Darren talking at one of our camps. Next. Now, the first time we told Darren uh, we wanted him to share a little testimony when he was a teenager, he literally locked himself in a bathroom and, and cried. And I'm being serious. He literally, he did. And it's he, another story we can tell you. It was, time, a, it was quite the ordeal. We couldn't find him for a long time. We thought we lost him. Uh, turns out he was hiding in a little hotel bathroom, scared to death. Drew. Drew and the family, uh, it's us, uh, and Drew, Drew's, he's like another son to us, uh, lived with us for years. Next, um, Chuck and Carrie, that's when Chuck was uh, a, a young lad. Next, uh, Jimmy and Gabe, next. There's a PT, a physical therapist, uh, Darion Pope there, wrapping up Malachi's finger. Football, Next. Jimmy and my baby, what, baby. Did you write that? Uh, <laughs> next. Hey, we're gonna just we got we got to stop. There's only we a couple more. Come on, next. No, no, no. There's Nick, Nick Rutgers and I. I tried. Next, uh, the fam, Reggie, Shanice, all of us together. <laughs> Danny's house. Next. Oh my God. There's Wendell and Aaron. That's at Wendell's wedding, I believe. Next, there's Shane in the bush. You can't really tell, but Shane is up there and he is hopping a very sturdy bush. But actually flings back into okay, place. Okay. And then there's Ryan and Nick Rutgers. Keep rolling oh, just a couple okay. more. And then finally, T.C. Brown, B&T. So we, say, we show all this just to let you guys know that this is, this is part of our life and our ministry and how God has blessed us. And we're hoping that these people continue that legacy far beyond us. Ashley wants to read something to you real quick. Go ahead. All right. We're going to pray. So I'm going to pray, be back in here in, uh, what time? At 10. Let's pray. Uh, all right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Uh, thank you for being able to serve uh, in for allowing us to be able to serve in your ministry um, and work together uh, to grow it. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, we are the least of the greatest men and women yet to come to grow your kingdom, uh, but Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Um, we love you, and we praise in your son's name. Amen.